Week nine in the books. We're in double digit parts of the season. Week 10 is here. It's actually insane how quickly the football season goes by. Just like the amount of time we spend, especially here internally, right? At BDG and just in here internally inside my brain that we spend focused on the football season. And then it goes like that. And then you start thinking about life, right? You start thinking about how quickly things go. We're not going to go down that path today, though. We'd have a discussion about it. We do have discussions about that on um, <clears throat> on the podcast I do with Jack Settleman called Big Content. If anyone gives a fuck, uh, we talk about life, liberty, content, media, sports media in particular, um, YouTube, social, all that kind of stuff. If you're a creator, you want to be a creator, go search for Big Content on YouTube. You'll see my big stupid fucking face. Let's also look at Bryce Young's big stupid fucking face right here because... Oh, no, wait, is that Thursday? That's for Thursday. But they also have a free square for Monday night tonight. I don't know who's tonight is. I don't even know what the game is. I think it's Justin Herbert. But we'll just talk about how on Thursday night or tonight, whenever you sign up for Underdog, they're going to give you an absolutely free square on the platform, okay? My brain, I could tell my brain's working. This is going to be a great stream for you guys. I'm working in double time. It's like I have two brains working simultaneously together to spit out knowledge and facts at a normal two-for-one price. But if you guys want to never use your brain again and still win money, the easiest way to do that is by going on Underdog. We're giving away picks pretty much every video that we put out, a ton on TikTok as well. Shout out JMO, went four for four yesterday. He hits at 100% rate when he feels good, when he has more than six and a half hours of sleep. That's a fact. That's a stat, not an opinion. Um, but Justin Herbert will have a .5 yard line tonight, and then Bryce Young will have a .5 yard line for Thursday. So if you sign up, if you get on there and you use our code BDGE, if it's your first time depositing, they're going to hit you with a 100% deposit match up to $100, and then things get fun, okay? We're about to have some fun. It's Monday. You know, we do this recap every single Monday, sometimes 2 p.m., sometimes 3 p.m., sometimes 4 p.m. It don't matter. We're here. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you got, you got notifications turned on so it lets you know when we go live. I'm going to go through every single game from yesterday and on Thursday night. So Thursday night, yesterday, this is not, this is just a coaster. See, still there. Enough. Um, we're going to go through every game. Talk about the biggest takeaways, fantasy-wise, football life, football life, uh, all that stuff in between, outside of, etc. Uh, I'm ready to dive in if you are. And also, just a reminder, throughout these videos, I try to get dialed in so I don't typically check the chat going on. Otherwise, I'd have too many distractions going on. Uh, I don't answer super chats during these, so please save your money. Buy your kids something for Christmas, you know? Buy me something for Christmas, but don't super chat me because I'm not going to answer it. And then I feel like a dick for not answering super chats. So let's jump into the Thursday night football game. And always, if at any point you are enjoying the stream... You find yourself chuckling a little bit, head downstairs, not like fucking physically downstairs in your apartment, but like downstairs on YouTube and hit the button that looks like this, please. Please, please, Lord. Bang. Now we can sit back, relax, tuck our shirts in. Actually, the problem, I can't really show you tucking my shirt in because the zipper on my jeans popped. The zipper on my jeans popped. So there's no actual like uh, zipper. It's all the way down the whole time. It's kind of a problem walking around, walking around with a schlong out poise. Just, just know we're tucked. Just know it. Just feel it in your bones. All right, let's start with Thursday night football. Uh, I zoomed in a little bit, so it takes up a little bit more of the screen. I hope you guys are okay with this setup. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me is that I, f I still feel very good about Will Levis. Didn't have the stat that he had. You know, the week prior, but um, everything that I'm seeing from him makes me feel very confident that he's going to be, you know, at least the near and quite possibly intermediate future for the Tennessee Titans. I hope they just let him rip for the rest of the year. He has, here's the thing, like, 
a lot of guys come into the league and, and they're timid or they're pass shy or they only want to like go down their first read. And it's hard for them to develop if they're not put into situations where they're like testing out their ability, you know? And Will Levis, while not every throw is accurate, his arm strength and his like delivery is translating. There's there are tons of times where like guys with arm strength come into the NFL and it doesn't translate because their processing is terrible. And there are a number of other things kind of happening that I feel like are awful. But Will Levis looks and feels like a real NFL QB. And there will be things that tighten up and, and, and make it a lot more palatable for Titans fans for sure. Um, but if I'm if I'm a Titans fan, I'm he has single handedly like reignited and re excited me as a fan and and as a franchise and as the face of the franchise, hopefully. So uh big takeaway is Will Levis still looks good. On the other side of the ball, I don't think there were any real takeaways. Kenny Pickett still to this day, to this day, only has one game of two passing touchdowns. That is crazy. So while we have excitement on one side of the ball with Tennessee and that fan base, it's almost like you have the opposite of excitement for a dude like Kenny Pickett. And listen, when you're running the ball like they did, where you got Warren ripping off eight yards of carry and Najee Harris ripping off 4.3 yards of carry, which is like a career high for him. Never seen anything like it from him. Um, you can be okay with 160 passing yards, 5.3 yards per attempt. And weirdly enough, if the season ended today, every single team in the AFC North would get into the playoffs. All four of them. I don't really even know how the rules allow that. I'm glad they do, though, because like if you're a bomb-ass team and you're in the fourth, in your fourth place but you deserve to be in, you still get in. That's how it is now. I guess first place and then three playoff teams. Yeah, whatever. Um, they'd all get in, which is, which is cool, right? So realistically, we could say that I'd feel shitty if I was a Pittsburgh fan, but again, you're in the playoff race. But so were the Falcons up to this week. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, no real takeaways. I mean, the backfield is still split. When they have bad games and don't win, they're not going to play well. Deontay Johnson is back to being, like, the alpha here. That should not be a surprise to anyone. George Pickens is, you know, throwing tantrums and shit. He could have hauled in a play that would have had a, a touchdown for him. It still wouldn't have had a big day, but it would have had a bigger day. Um, but for me, the only real takeaways are, like, Deontay Johnson in every week, wide receiver two with upside. George Pickens is kind of like a – up and down coaster right now, but I still think he belongs in lineups. I think Jalen Warren just doesn't score touchdowns realistically. Najee Harris starting to score a few touchdowns here and there. I think, again, both of them are um, like they were startable this week because there were some high-powered offenses and players and C-Mac and ETN and all these running backs on by. In a normal week, I still have them on the fringe of like RB3 flex-ish, <coughs> flex-ish that I don't feel great about. Their next few games are the Packers, which you could definitely play them against. Uh, the Browns, which is a tough defense, but a much tougher pass defense, I think, than run defense. And then you have uh, Bengals, Cardinals, so not an overwhelming schedule by any means. And then the Colts, you know, whatever. Um, I, I still think they just sit where they were kind of coming into the game. One, like, semi-efficient game does not change the tune I have for that backfield. Now we go to Germany. Go to Germany where, listen, uh, the narrative about Miami like can't beat good teams, I get it. And Kansas City defense is like elite, all this kind of sheesh. Uh, there's part of me that buys it. There's part of me that doesn't buy it. This felt like more of like an unlucky game for Miami. There were some drops off the fingertips. There was like, you know, Wild got hurt right away, came back in. Um, there was this strip by Kansas City on Tyreek Hill that was like the entire game changing momentum of the, you know, all that kind of shit. So, do I think Kansas City is so much better than Miami? No, I don't. I think if these two teams played 10 times, Kansas City probably wins six times. Um, but they walked away with the win here. Nothing really to take away. I think Miami has a bye next week coming up. What do we have? 11-19 for the next game. Yep. So they have a bye next week. And then after that, they play. Uh, oh, they'll, ha they'll have Devon HM back. Um, Jeff Wilson did get a semi-significant like portion of the touches here. He got four targets, so he led the backfield in touches. When HN comes back, I, I imagine HN will <clears throat> kind of take the role that he had before. Like he has a role regardless of who else is operating in the backfield. I think Wilson will get, you know, a few touches here and there, but I do think again the, the Wilson will probably be the odd man out. It'll be Raheem. It'll be HN. It'll be a lot of what we saw in the middle of the season when HN was healthy. So 
coming off a of bye, uh, I am completely fine. As long as the reports say that HN is like healthy and good to go, I'm completely fine. <coughs> completely fine starting both of them right away into like RB two slots with you know obviously a ton of upside. Waddle, Hill, everything else is normal. Um, on the KC side, Kelsey down game. No other takeaways. Like you're starting Pacheco for the most part. Rashi Rice kind of disappointing that only two targets came his way. Um, but he did score a touchdown again. He continues to score touchdowns, man. He continues to be a guy that I want in my lineups pretty much every week because he's getting it done one way or another. I kind of want to see if he has progressed at all from a snap count perspective. Week 8, MVS still 63. Sky Moore dipped down to around 30% of the routes, which is big for Rashi Rice. But it didn't really amount to anything. At least we're seeing more consistent um, playtime for Rashi Rice. Like, beginning of the year, this was unsurprising. This is typically what we see from, like, rookies. 27%, 13, 51, 47, 23. And then it becomes Rashi Rice is, like, a part of our offense, right? 50, 65, 60, 60. So, uh, I'd, I'd imagine it'll stay around this mark. Maybe we'll see a couple games where he kind of uh, bumps up to the 70, 75% range. But I think we'll continue to see that type of play. It's annoying that Watson keeps getting, like, 71% of the snaps. That shit, that shit needs to stop. We need to stop fucking around. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, Miko Hardman coming back, he needs to not come back. He needs to, he needs to go back to where he came from. Uh, no one else is startable. I mean, obviously, you're still starting Pacheco, Kelsey, et cetera. Uh, I would definitely still start Rashi Rice. This shit made me sick. This shit made me absolutely fucking sick. The Atlanta Falcons are literally, like, the worst TV show of all time. They are the worst TV show Every single week of all time. Yet I can't take my fucking eyes off of it. Josh Dobbs pretty much walked off the plane and won this game. I don't I don't know what to say. It's hard for me to gather myself when I fucking when Arthur Smith comes on my screen. He makes me so infuriatingly mad. It's like they always do some dumb shit and then zoom into his fucking mustache. Like I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. I'm done watching the show. I'm moving on to another show. Or I'll return like next season, you know? I'll watch the recap. I'll, I'll read the fucking wiki recap. And then I'll start watching again next season when hopefully... I'm just praying we have like a, one of the characters gets killed in the last episode kind of thing. So that next season we could start with someone new. Someone better. I don't know what to do here. Does anyone have advice? I'm over here, here reading not Don't Kill Myself books. That's a joke. Enough. Enough. Um, Dobbs. The biggest takeaway here is that Dobbs is going to make everybody serviceable in this offense. This is a huge get for the Vikings. Not only does it make Addison, Hawkinson, and now Madison maybe Osborne if he's not dead actually uh usable but it also oh, they're on a four game win streak which is fucking nuts they're somehow four and one on the road one and three at home it makes the return of Justin Jefferson a lot more likely they're fighting for a playoff spot like this can happen man they can absolutely sneak into the playoffs and you got you know Justin Jefferson wants to be out there to compete for that so this is a huge dub for Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings here Cam Akers ruptured his other Achilles. That's devastating. His career is likely over at this point. Um, which means Alexander Madison, again, is kind of like backed into a workhorse role, for better or worse. He's going to be uh, probably more of like the RB20 to 24 in the rankings weekly, maybe in really good matchups. You'll boost him up a little bit. He's shown very little explosiveness. He did have a big, obviously, catch and run in this game. But uh, on a normal week, you know, you're getting like 70 70 yards on 18 touches, not really efficient. Um, maybe he'll score a touchdown or two here and there, which he did for this one. So you, you kind of caught a lucky break here with Dobbs and Akers happening all in the same week. If you got Madison, so, you know, he's he's a nice flex play for you going forward. On the Atlanta side, there was, listen, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, Desmond Ritter, why did you bench Desmond Ritter for Heineke? Heineke was kind of put into, not, I don't want to say an impossible situation, but dog. With Drake London out, like, what did you expect him to do? Look at his top receivers. Kaderil Hodge, Matt Collins, Van Jefferson. These are like the scraps of other teams. 
These are like the most embarrassing players from other franchises that we thought would be a good idea to just get together and make some kind of fucking dinner. We put a plate in front of Taylor Heineke and on that plate, we threw a slop spoonful of mashed potatoes, of corn, of soil, like plant soil. That's what Demir Bird is. And then we topped it with ketchup. And then we're like, why don't you like it? Why aren't you eating? Why aren't you finishing your dinner? I don't blame Heineke. Is he good? No. Why the fuck would he? He's not good. He never was a good quarterback. I still think he gives us a better chance to win than Desmond Ritter, though. We just need Drake. We just need Drake London back on the field. Otherwise, all hell breaks loose here. Uh, Johnny Smith continues to be a playmaker. I'm going to continue starting him in leagues that I have him in. Or I definitely will be going forward. Um, if you want to talk about Bijan... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really know what to say here. And I, I, listen, you could say, oh, they're a 50 50 split. They're not a 50 50 split. This game happened to have been a 50 50 split, but when you look at the actual team, we need a bye week. We need a bye week bad. We need it fucking terribly. And to be honest, I need a break from them. Like, if nothing else, give me the break, please. I need it so bad. So, I mean, when, listen, when you look at the season, like, oh, they're in a 50-50 split. No, they're not. They're not even close to a 50-50 split. It's 65-37. Like, the rush attempts are kind of close. Algier actually has a couple more rush attempts than him. But routes, targets, short down and distance snaps. The only thing that Tyler Algier is really taking here is these inside the five attempts. That's a little problematic here. He's gotten 30%. Bijan has 11%. And everyone's going to go crazy because, obviously... He's coming off a game where he just had a decent amount of them. We just don't have that many attempts inside the five-yard line is what it comes down to. If you look at it, like, there are multiple weeks where we have none there. But long down and distance snaps. Look at Bijan up here. 87% on the year. Let me move my dumb ass over here. Two and four-minute drills. Nearly 100%. 82, 93, whatever. Um, so, like, yeah, it, it was a tough day. Tough day at the office, as it always fucking is for us as Falcons fans. Um, better days ahead for Bijan, though. Cardinals and Browns. There's literally nothing to take away from the Cardinals side. Hopefully, Kyler Murray plays next week. I pray to God. I pray to the Lords. For Cleveland, uh, Deshaun Watson returned. And I'm not going to sit here and say he played well. He finished with two touchdowns. One of them was like, one of them was a throw off the defender that just popped up and Cooper caught it for a touchdown. And Watson was celebrating like he just threw a dart outside the hashes 30 yards down the field. It was insane. It was ridiculous. Um, so, listen, it was good to see Watson back on the field. It was good to see him get a little momentum going. And I think as the weeks go by, he'll get a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier. And maybe we can catch a little bit of fire down the down the stretch, but let's just not pretend like Arizona's not um, awful. Like when when your defense picks the ball off twice and also sacks Clayton Toon seven times, your offense better have a good fucking day because the field position is going to be unmatched. Every every drive is going to start at the at, at midfield, so you better be fucking scoring a few touchdowns. As it relates to the backfield, unsurprisingly, Pierre Strong kind of uh, became the odd man out here. Only three carries. Kareem Hunt, 14 for 38. He did get the touchdown score, which has been a theme. He seems to be the guy that they trust down by the end zone. Jerome Ford, though, 20 carries. He has not been efficient whatsoever. Probably still dealing. I mean, he had a high fucking ankle sprain, missed one week. Um, so that could absolutely kind of factor into it. But Jerome Ford's so involved, man. 25 touches. That is like... Some of the quietest 25 touches ever because 25 touches led to about 75 yards for him, which if you do the math, not great. But him and Kareem Hunt, very, 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 very clearly splitting the backfield. And this is an offense where, again, their defense is great. They set him up in good field position. Kareem Hunt is the like the goal line scoring back here. He is uh, He's very valuable. I think they're both playable based on the volume that Ford gets and the touchdown opportunities that Kareem Hunt gets. Cooper had a great game. Um, there's no one else really startable in the 
passing game for the Cleveland Browns. I do want to check something real quick, though, from the receivers on the Browns. Somebody was saying something about Cedric Tillman. Because DPJ is now... What team did DPJ go to? I can't remember off the top of my head for some reason. He got traded, though. So they needed a new receiver to kind of step in. And it was Cedric Tillman. So Cedric Tillman ran 74% of the routes. Barely got targeted. I like Cedric Tillman, though. If you're in, like, a very deep league or if he's available on your dynasty uh, waiver wire, I would, I, would, I would put something in for him just because... Cedric Tillman was very good at Tennessee. Him and Jalen Hyatt were kind of like these this duo of wide receiver prospects that were looked at kind of in tandem prior to last year when Hyatt went nuts and won the Blitnikoff. But Cedric Tillman's like a real cool possession receiver that I think could play that DPJ role. So just, just a little something-something there. Rams, Packers. Again, not much to take away from the Rams side because Brett Rippon was the QB. They have a bye coming up, and then I believe Stafford and I believe Kyron Williams should also be back, so much better things ahead. We're not worried about Cup or Puka once Stafford is back in the lineup. On the flip side, good to see Mr. Aaron Jones bike. And this was I was I was I was high on Aaron Jones again this week. And for the reason you really gotta like pay attention to Matt LaFleur and his coach speak, man. He he kind of just been spitting facts. Like two weeks ago he was like Aaron Jones is not hundred percent. Um, and we're going to play him accordingly. And that happened. And then this previous week, he's like, we're letting Aaron Jones rip. We are unleashing that man. And he got 24 touches, 20 for 73 on the ground, got into the end zone four for 26 through the air. So that's a whole lot of carries. And AJ Dillon reverted to nine carries for 40 yards. A lot of that probably had to do with the fact that they were beating the Rams pretty much the entire game too. So Jones for me is back to being, I don't know if I want to go crazy. He's definitely still needing to earn me saying he's an RB1 going forward, but he's going to be a borderline top 15 option week after week just because his involvement when he's healthy is so high in this offense, and he's obviously super dynamic. They play the Steelers, the Chargers, the Lions, the Chiefs, the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings. So more often than not, you have matchups that you feel good about. Like I'm not worried about the Steelers as it relates to the running backs, Chargers. Lions are very good. Chiefs, I still think you can get stuff going on the ground against them. Giants are not good, obviously. Panthers not good. Vikings, whatever. Um, so you have a lot of favorable matchups for Aaron Jones going forward, and uh, and this excited me. Outside of him, though, outside of Aaron Jones, there is almost nothing. It just it just doesn't look like it's going to happen for Watson. Though I will say, Jordan Love, and I guess this is speaking to the bigger picture, though. Like this is why it might not be happening for Christian Watson. Jordan Love, uh, Christian Watson beat his man deep. Like, beautiful route, got the separation. Jordan Love stepped up through a deep pass. I was about to say seed or bomb or laser, but that was, like, the opposite of what it was. He underthrew Christian Watson, and it was this was, like, the prototypical Christian Watson got deep, beat his man, QB bombed it up for him, scores a 70-yard touchdown. This happened without that second part. This was the one where Aaron Rodgers would have hit him, and Christian Watson scores on the unlikely 70-yard touchdown. This is the difference between this year and last year. This is the difference between Christian Watson every game from the previous game. They're they're just not connecting on the deep balls. Jordan Love has kind of just become a shell of himself, sacked four times in this game. He's just he's not completing uh those passes that open up the offense. You know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but Watson was fucking uh, so close to, to another huge game. But even if he brings that in, it's still two catches, right? Two catches, maybe 80 yards, 90 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, yeah, at this point, I don't, I don't know how he's really startable. Commanders, Pats, Sam Howell, supposedly uh, penciled in as the quarterback of the future, but those things are fluky. Um, I, don't, I, I never really understand why those reports like kind of just like surface now. They're never hard reports like Sam Howell is being looked at as a quarterback of the future. It's like, cool, okay, he has like three bad games in a row, and then all of a sudden he's not the quarterback of the future anymore. So kind of a pointless report in my opinion, but I, I do agree with it. Like I do think Howell has done well enough to compete in this league and give his, ta- his, his team a chance to win. 
if the pieces are around him. And they have a good offense, man. For the most part, they have a good offense. They got B-Rob cooking a little bit again, so you can feel more confident throwing him back into the lineup, 18 for 63, and a touchdown on the ground uh, through the air. Business as usual for Terry. Jahan Dotson, another big game, eight targets, four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. We're starting to see a little bit of the splits here with and without Curtis Samuel. Is this a product of Jahan Dotson? Uh, just being good and being the guy that we thought he was coming into the year, and now things are kind of breaking right for him. I think it's less that and more Curtis Samuel being out, to be honest with you. I think normally if Curtis Samuel's in a game like this, Dotson's target numbers probably drop down to around five, which he's kind of been at steadily all year. That's the heartbeat going on there for his target numbers. And um, un until Curtis Samuel comes back, though, I think you have to feel relatively good about starting Jahan Dotson for now as like a wide receiver three. He has scored in back-to-back -back weeks. It's not always pretty. He's still dropping some really relatively easy balls from week to week, um, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him, but it is happening. Um, so Terry, Jahan, Sam Howell, they're 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 quietly a nice little fantasy trio for you. The Seahawks, they got absolutely sheeted on by the Ravens, but they're normally a pretty good defense. The Giants are terrible. The Cowboys are really good. The Dolphins are not good. The Rams are not good. The Jets are great. The 49ers are very good. So they have... Very obvious matchups where you can play guys and very obvious matchups where you don't want to play guys. And I think that's kind of the beauty of having Sam Howell on your team. Like, I don't want to play him at Dallas, but I want to play him at home against the Giants, and I want to play him at home against Miami. Like, that's kind of been his MO most of the year. On the flip side, we got the Pats, who are just disgusting. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson finally has, like, a breakaway play, 64-yard touchdown run, but besides that, uh, everything else is kind of gross in this offense as per usual. Demario Douglas was the guy that we were like sneaky high on. Five for 55, seven targets, which tied for the team lead. It kind of feels like what he's going to do every week, right, with um, Kendrick Bourne on the IR. Also, Devontae Parker should probably be back next week because he's dealing with a concussion, and that's usually an average of one week missed. So uh, when he's back, maybe that hurts. Um, maybe that hurts. Juju, maybe that hurt. I'm not sure who that hurts. Actually, we could probably check out the aligned. Um, let's check out the alignments from the game yesterday. See who was running routes where. You know Devontae Parker's ass ain't uh, running in the Schlotskys. Mike Kosicki, 40 routes. Hunter Henry, 39. Demario Douglas, 38. Slot route, slot percentage. Mm, so they have their tight ends running as their slot weapons it's kind of interesting so Demario Douglas only took 36 percent of his routes from the slot 64 percent out wide Rager big big snap guy yesterday uh Juju actually only ran 19 routes which is kind of interesting given that he was targeted so heavily and he only ran five percent of his routes from the slot that's so interesting man you think that the the Patriots bringing Juju in like would understand what he's good at and it's not playing outside he can't separate he can't beat man coverage but he's great at finding zone he's great at finding the soft spots in the zone and eating them up that way but he only ran 19 routes and got targeted seven times which is a very 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 high target per route rate run um target per route run rate yeah that was correct um so i maybe something to keep an eye on we'll see what happens when Devonte parker returns he's just he's like the justin watson of the patriots where he doesn't actually ever do anything, but he just like ruins it for everybody else. He just takes half of the snaps, which normally would be like targets for other people, and just fucking ruins it. That's what Parker is. But in PPR, Douglas, maybe Juju, I don't know. Bear Saints, I, I can't, like, th there's no reason for this game to be this close. The Saints gave the ball back to the Bears to for a chance to tie like seven times in this game. Uh, hopefully Justin Fields is back next week. We saw Deontay Foreman just control the backfield again. I do think that Khalil Herbert probably gets off the IR as soon as Justin Fields is back too. So that makes shit messy in the backfield. Though Deontay Foreman is for sure carved out a role. When Khalil Herbert comes back, Roshan Johnson is pretty much the prospect I thought he was going to be coming out. But everyone has these like magic fairy wishes that he was going to be the fucking goat somehow. But clearly he is not making an impact on this offense. Um yeah, nothing else. Cole Komet looked great, made a couple of fucking circus catches. He was awesome. He's definitely just startable as a tight end in fantasy going forward just because there's not a lot of tight ends to start in fantasy outside of Mr. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is I, – I, I don't know if I can name – like who who what tight ends would I rather own than Taysom Hill in fantasy going forward? It's like Kelsey. It's Andrews. 
It's like Laporta. Who who else is up here right now? I gotta look at these. I gotta look at the tight end rankings right now. So in half PPR, Kelsey's the one. Shocking. Mark Andrews is the two. Hawkinson is the three. Laporta is the four. Uh, dude, I would put Hill. Hill's in this tier for sure. He's in the Hawkinson Laporta tier. I might even put him ahead of those guys. Probably not. Probably wouldn't. But he's in that goddamn tier. So if you picked him up a few weeks ago, you feel fucking fantastic. The dude just gets it how he lives it, man. A touchdown pass, 52 yards on the ground, 13 yards and four catches through the air and a touchdown. This dude's damn near putting up 20 fucking points a game in PPR leagues for no reason. For no reason. It's crazy. What a stud. Kamara finally had a down game. You know, it's so funny. Uh, Kamara came back and like absolutely ripped it. Obviously, the last like five weeks. And then every week on, on TikTok, if you're not following us on TikTok, it's just BDGE double underscore. Uh, I put out a video of um, of a guy that I'm trying to sell, right? Like one trade tart, one, one sell per week that I really zone in on. And uh, a week ago was Alvin Kamara. And then Alvin Kamara went out and scored like three touchdowns last week. And that video got up to like, 300,000 views just because people were shitting on me. And now he has this fucking game. So this game would have been nice last week so that everyone didn't bully me on TikTok, but it's the nature of the best. That's fucking showbiz, baby. Um, Kamara, yeah, it was, it was a weird it was a weird game. I thought that he would for sure catch like 10 passes because that's kind of what the Bears defense does. They let up short passes to running backs especially. And as you can see, there weren't a ton of like big plays. Kendrick Miller had, you know, a 31-yard gain. I wouldn't really necessarily put it like a big play downfield, though. Other than that, you know, not a lot of big plays downfield because that's what the Bears offense or Bears defense typically does. Um, but, yeah, it just it just didn't really happen here for the receivers outside of Olave. Had a nice little bounce back, 6 for 46 and a touchdown, but not really like the, the buy-low type of breakout performance everybody predicts every single week for Chris Olave. We need one of those like six for 130 and a touchdown type games for me to feel real confident in him again. Like his 7.7 yards per catch. Those are little mini possession catches, you know? Those are not these are not the big fantasy haymakers that that we picked you at the end of the second round for. Early second round, mid second round. It's a little little gross out there, man. Um what else do we have? Juwan Johnson, Juwan <clears throat> Johnson finally made a little bit of an impact this year. You could, he had his best game of the year, 5 for 29 a touchdown, and it absolutely had zero impact on Taysom Hill. That is what you love to see. Derek Carr continues to be like sneaky, sneaky, great streamer because um, they've had great matchups. They play the Vikings next week. They play the Falcons the week after that. Lions are tough, but then they get the Panthers, the Giants, the Rams, the Bucks, who have absolutely just shattered themselves as a pass defense. This might be the easiest the easiest passing schedule in the NFL going forward and I don't even know what useful like transactions you can make on that because everybody's just been saying buy low on Chris Olave for a year so there's nothing that you could really do there maybe Michael Thomas but I kind of feel like Michael Thomas is not even like uh the matchup doesn't matter for him he just goes pretty much like four for 40 or he doesn't do shit every single week maybe Rashid Shaheed I don't think you really need to buy him I don't know. Derek Carr is just the guy that I want on my roster. He's sitting there on the fruit, on the uh, waiver wire. That's that's how I'll end that. Seahawks got absolutely shitted on. Geno Smith has one of his worst games of the year, which led to everybody else kind of struggling here, unfortunately. Um, so not much to take away from the Seattle side. They could just get absolutely nothing going. I still think they're a good team. I still think they'll bounce back and be fine for the rest of the season, but I think it's more so on the opposite side of the ball. Baltimore, man, 37 points. They allow three points. On the athletic podcast today, they were talking about this defense, man, and they are coming. It's it's like all the all the signings that they made, all these like underlying guys, the Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, Geno Stone, who has a fucking four picks, uh, four games in a row with a pick. These dudes that they signed are having like absolute career emergences again, like reemergencing. Re I'm not even saying it right. I'm so fucking like caught up in this bullshit right now. Um. Everything about this team is clicking all at once, and you're seeing it in the result of production and the scoreboard. So Lamar's playing like an MVP. Um, their pass catchers are playing well. Again, the I still think Mark Andrews is the only one you could trust at all. 
Zay Flowers is hyped up every single week. He's a buy low every single week and continues to disappoint every single week. Almost never scores touchdowns. Very rarely scores. Um, very rarely pulls in big plays. He had one target in this game. Not what you love to see. Uh, OBJ finally had a good game. Don't care. It's not sticky, not predictive. He'll never be in my lineup. The running back situation is the biggest takeaway here for show. So Keaton Mitchell, guy a lot of people are excited about. He is really explosive, undrafted guy, but he ran, I want to say like a 4-3-7-40, and that motherfucker plays like it. He is explosive. He is shifty. He is nifty. He is, he's, he's, he's cute, man. He's a cute little run back out there. He is like, um, the way I'm looking at this situation, in essence, is I, I, I think he was the only running back this week to rush for over 100 yards. He is almost like Jaleel McLaughlin, but in a in in arguably the league's best offense. So imagine the Broncos while Jaleel was breaking out and Javante Williams was like a slow version of himself like Gus Edwards is. Jaleel would be a lot more valuable. They're not really using him anymore, but it's very, very clear that Keaton Mitchell has earned himself a role in this backfield after this game. He was busting off big fucking plays. And yeah, you could say some of it happened in garbage time. Some of his production happened in garbage time, but he was still playing and getting touches and getting used while it was not garbage time. I want to say in the first half, actually through the first three quarters, I want to say it was a uh, tweet from maybe Adam Levitan. Through three quarters, I think Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards, or maybe Keaton Mitchell and Justice Hill, tied for running back touches. So it was like eight to eight to five or something like that. So he was tied for the most running back touches through three quarters. Um, so it was not like fluky, just pure garbage time. And he also brings something to this offense that they do not have in the backfield. Gus is obviously like a plotter. He keeps getting into the end zone, uh, scoring touchdowns, which is fantastic for fantasy. Justice Hill does, he averages like three yards a carry every game. So this will probably push Justice Hill out of the rotation quite a bit. And Keaton probably takes over that role. And he is such an explosive player that like, this offense is going to open up a lot of running lanes for him. Uh, so he's going to be really exciting down the stretch. And again, tomorrow I'll do a full waiver wire video. Probably goes live around 11, 12 Eastern time. Um, so make sure you subscribe for that. And Keaton Mitchell, I'm sure, will be on the very tippy top of the list for pickups for week 10. We also do offer our waiver wire rankings that's a premium service where we rank every single player. We give you the fab suggestions for the player, whether or not we use our number one waiver wire on the player. So they're ranked against every other flex player. That is on bdge.co if you are a big dog member. bdge.co. You could sign up for our waiver wire rankings. We also have our weekly rankings uh, that go into the membership and a private Q and Assault live stream where I'm doing all your sit star questions, you know, as many as my brain can handle. Um, every single Saturday. So sign up on bdg.co. You will be able to see how high we have Keaton Mitchell ranked. He is so explosive. He is really, really fun to watch. Um, so excited to see how he fits into an offense, into this offense. And uh, he's definitely carved out a role here. The Bucks Texans, man. Game of the fucking week. Possibly game of the year. Or at least CJ Stroud's drive was the drive of the year. Baker scores. With like fucking 50 seconds left. CJ Stroud marches down the field, scores with zero seconds left, pretty much. Um, just an awesome game all around, man. An awesome game all around. Baker played really well. Rashad White continues to be ineffective on the ground, but again, this is something I've kind of been yapping about for a month or so now. They simply just don't have any other options in the backfield. Like they they try to make Keyshawn Vaughn work, they try to make Chase Edmonds work. It's just they those guys stink. And Rashad White, you know, 3.5, 3.7 yards per carry. Relative to the other dudes, that is actually good. It's actually good, man. Um, so Rashad White continues to be just a volume plug-and-play top 15, top 18 running back. And in big games like this, obviously, his ceiling will be really high because he gets some touchdowns. The other takeaway here is uh, Kate Otten has been playing a full-time role for the Buccaneers as their starting tight end, obviously, and is starting to translate into production. Led the team with nine targets, which is a really high target share. But I want to say that's that's like something that's happened week after week after week. He's getting six-plus targets for nearly a month straight now. And obviously, he'll have some flop games, but he's becoming like a real part of this offense, and he's emerging as a young, you know, up-and-coming tight end. So that's something to keep an eye on in good matchups. Baker tends to struggle when he gets under pressure a lot. This was not one of those. 
On the flip side, CJ Stroud just smashed fucking every record ever. 470 through the air. Five fucking touchdowns. 11.2 yards per attempt. This was the single best rookie quarterback day of all time. Unsurprisingly. Unbelievable day. It led to just everybody in this offense eating. No matter who you started in this offense in the passing game, that person ate. Noah Brown, 6 for 153 in a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, 10 for 130 in a touchdown. Tank Dell, 6 for 114, two touchdowns. Nico Collins, 3 for 54, but he got in the end zone too. Everybody ate. Everybody continues to eat with C.J. Stroud, man. Their running back back game is useless basically at this point. Um, But I love it. I kind of love that they're being forced into passing the ball all the time because it's leading to big plays, and it's leading to them being good. Like, imagine they just kept trying to force the ball into Mike Boone and Dib and Singletary's hands. There's no way they win this game. There's just no chance. Um, so Stroud, man, what a fun fucking player. What an awesome, awesome player. Face of the franchise. You got to be – honestly, I'm happy for the Texans fans because they had that just snatched right from under them with Deshaun Watson. Watson was one of the most enjoyable, young, up-and-coming – Franchise QBs. And then the fans got rug pulled. Texans take one little pivot. They take a year, a down year. They go, hey, we got to readjust. And they dive right back into it. And CJ Stroud is the truth, man. His arm is so real. It's so accurate. He's so good under pressure. Mm, What a bright future. And like, I don't know, dude. On on paper, uh, right now, it's really easy to be like, yeah, these these weapons are really good too. But if Stroud was struggling, we would probably be sitting here saying like, of course he's struggling. Look at the weapons that they surrounded him with. He is a dude that's elevating every part of this fucking offense. He's making Tank Dell one of the best rookies that we've seen in quite a while, man. He's awesome. And Tank Dell's awesome, like by himself. But I'm saying like the way Stroud is playing... He is not even making you second guess about dudes like Nico Collins or Tank Dell. Dalton Schultz is rolling right now. When Noah Brown becomes a force to be reckoned with, your quarterback's really fucking good. We'll put it that way, okay? So Stroud becomes, I mean, not becomes, he just continues to be a guy that you could feel really good about having a nice-ass safe floor and good matchups. On the flip side, I do want to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing defense is atrocious. They have been just ripped apart. Texans, Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, this wasn't a good game by us, but even Desmond Ritter threw for 250 passing yards. Jared Goff ate them a lot. Like the Tampa Bay Bucks passing defense is one that you want to fucking target. Who do they play next? They play the Titans. So Will Levis could pop. They'd play Brock Purdy after that. Gardner Minshew. Like I'd probably start all those guys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass defense because they they ain't it. Put it that way. Colts Panthers. Um I mean, the story of this game, one, Jonathan Taylor completely took back over the backfield from Zach Moss. He played on like 80% of the snaps. He also was super involved in the passing game. Uh, five targets, five catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. So good to see him back. They struggled on the ground altogether, though. Um, Josh Downs came into the game banged up, left the game banged up. He might be he might be in for uh, a little bit of time missed. We'll have to kind of just keep an eye on that. Story of the game, realistically, was Bryce Young really struggled. Three three interceptions. Two of them went for pick sixes to fucking Kenny Moore, man. One player had two defensive touchdowns in this game. Your team never had a chance uh, with that. So Bryce Young continues to struggle. Again, not surprising, though. Like, the team is just so bad. The the, the situation he went into, no no quarterback, no rookie quarterback was going to play well in, in, in the Carolina Panthers offense. C.J. Stroud would probably be struggling in this offense. Uh, Chuba has completely taken over the backfield to Miles Sanders. I'm not a big fan of Chuba. I don't think he's that great. But, like, if he's going to catch fucking four passes, you know, for nothing in PPR league. I started him in a PPR league in a flex spot. He got me, like, 11 points. Didn't do anything, but he got me 11 points, and that's kind of the usage here. Maybe Miles Sanders earned a little bit more work because he was so much more efficient than Chuba Hubbard was, but it's not looking it's not looking great for him. Adam Thielen also had a down game, but I guess that I don't know that just kind of happens when you um you have the offense run the way that it did today. Giants Raiders Daniel Jones tore his ACL. Not great. Not great. Um, I don't really know what to say. They're probably the worst team in football right now with, with Tommy DeVito running the show there. Saquon, they're gonna they're gonna kill him. They're literally gonna kill Saquon. I hope he has insurance out on his body bodily parts. 
I wonder if you could sue a franchise. Like, can you sue the team that you're on? Because Saquon should probably sue them already for the amount of harm that they're going to put him in. Um, so it, that's just tough for tough for the Giants, tough for tough for everything out there in New York, man. Just just a tough football season for the New York teams. What else is fucking new? The Raiders, the Raiders, uh, Antonio Pierce, giant former giant great, takes over as the head coach. I'm sure you guys have seen all the rumors and reports about Josh McDaniels and the meetings and all that shit, so I won't jump into it, so it didn't matter. But they clearly had something uh, that they were playing for here. Josh Jacobs, 26 for 98 on the ground, two touchdowns. Um, Jacoby Myers gets in on an end around. The passing game was kind of miserable again, but listen, they won 30-6, to six, so I don't think anybody is – Complaining too much about it, but yeah, Demonte Adams continues to be a little bit disappointing. Aiden O'Connell's, I mean, they didn't need to do anything, right? When Josh Jacobs can carry the ball 26 times, the offense doesn't necessarily need uh, to do anything, but obviously there will be tougher matchups ahead. They have the Jets next week, and then the Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Colts. So uh, you don't imagine a ton of game scripts like 30 to 6. So I think we'll see, you know, a bounce back from Jacoby, a bounce back from Devontae, or at least like volume, uh, volume wise, they can't go any anywhere else. Dallas Philly, this is a great game. Another great game. Dak played out of his mind. Tony Pollard did the opposite of that for the 97th time in a row. Can't wait to see him on some more buy, li- buy low trade target lists again. He's just, it's just, it's just not there. It ain't happening. It ain't fucking happening. I'll tell you what is happening though. CD Lamb, he is going bonkers. I love the way that Dallas and this offense and just this team overall has operated post buy. 44 pass attempts to 15 running back attempts. Actually, that's 14 running back attempts. Take out Dak and you take out Turpin. Uh, those are seven non-running back attempts. So you're talking about 44 passes to 14 running back carries. That's that shit. And it's not like Philly was up dominating the game. At halftime, Dallas is winning. If that is the case, man, this Dallas offense is going to continue to eat in the passing game at least. CD 11 for 191 coming off of a game last week where he went, what did he do last week? Uh, 14 for 158, two touchdowns. The game prior to that, 7 for 117. So this dude is now, he's starting to pile together some A.J. Brown-type beats over here. He puts together one or two more of those games. He's going to be start. He's gonna be setting some Cowboys receiver records real soon. So CD Lamb is going bonkers right now. Jake Ferguson, he was one of my summer loves. He was one of my one of one of the dudes that got me hurt, and I'm ready to get hurt again because he's starting to cook a little bit too. He is like the number two guy here in this offense because Michael Gallup stinks. Brandon Cooks nowhere to be found. Jalen Tolbert was a rookie that I fucking really liked coming out in college, and this is like the first time he's getting any sort of serious run. I got to see his snap counts. What's going on with the Tolbert inator? Brandon Cook still ran 87% of the routes. Michael Gallup is the one who took a big hit. So Gallup's down to 51%, 49% over the last two weeks. Tolbert, simultaneously, you could see his routes start to jump up. 44%, 43%. Uh, target per outrun this previous week, 22%. Um, so as you can see, his catchable target rates are really, really low, though. Like, didn't have a ton of targets in week eight, but none of them were catchable. This week, 60% of his targets were catchable. And the A dot was 17 yards downfield. It's kind of sexy. 44, 40% of the end zone targets, too. Jalen, Tol- Jalen Tolbert's a dude to keep an eye on, okay? He is a dude to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. I really liked him coming out of college and the way that this offense is operating right now with how pass heavy they are. Look at this matchup schedule they got going forward. There's not a single. There's not a single defense on here that I'm worried about. The Giants next week, Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Eagles, great run D. You can have you can have them through the. I mean, this they literally just played the Eagles and CD Lamb just went for 190 yards. The Bills, the Dolphins. Oh man, this is this is like the opposite of the way that they started the year. This is going to be beautiful down the stretch for Dak, CD, and Jake Ferguson. I want all of it. I want all of it. Um, <clears throat> on the other side, Philly. I don't know. Hurts had a good game. Kind of got banged up. Should be fine. I think they got a buy this upcoming. Let's check out who's got the buys this week. Should have that info going in, shouldn't I? Week 10 buys. We have the Chiefs, the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. So, Hurt should be good after the buy. 
The Dolphins should have Devon Cham back after the bye. The Rams should have Stafford and Kyron Williams back after the bye. And the Chiefs should still be uh, a good football team after the bye. So with the Eagles, A.J. Brown kind of came down to earth again. Um, still got in the end zone, 7 for 66 and a touchdown. Devonta Smith has been a curious case, man. He's he's not he's, he's really not putting up numbers. I will say, though, Dallas Goddard, I believe, fractured his arm. Let's see if we got anything new here. Fractured forearm. Um, we don't know. He could be put on the injured reserve. But the point I wanted to take away is that Devontae Smith last year in games where Goddard missed right here. In that sample, Devontae Smith, weeks 11 to 15 last year, 8.4 targets per game, 84 receiving yards per game. Just a, a really, really nice run with Dallas Goddard out. And maybe that's what he needed to get. The fantasy season started for himself. <clears throat> I mean, 3 for 51, saved himself with a touchdown, obviously. But overall, it's been relatively disappointing. Where does he rank this year? Wow. Okay. Devonta Smith. Is this, is this overall this year? Devonta Smith still the wide receiver 17. Alave wide receiver 18. So, I don't know. I guess it could be worse. But he's just, I, I thought there was a little more upside there. He's just not really showing it on a week-to-week -week basis, unfortunately. Um, but probably brighter days ahead for him with Dallas Goddard out. Him and A.J. Brown are going to get so many fucking targets, man. Um, who's behind him? Jack Stoll. He's not really a pass catcher. Albert O. Albert O. reappears um, from the from the dead. I, there's no one in the tight end room that I want to pick up here. DeAndre Swift really hasn't played well in quite a while. He's not efficient on the ground, but like rather than go to Kenneth Gainwell, they're going to keep giving him carries, I think, because Gainwell did get in, but... Um, DeAndre Swift, I think, fumbled twice. Yeah, he fumbled twice in this game. Something to keep an eye on. You know, if he keeps doing that, you know, like at worst, the Eagles are very, very aware that Kenneth Gainwell is not as good as DeAndre Swift at running back. But it's also very, very clear that they trust Kenneth Gainwell. They trust him, right? Not a lot of upside, but they know that he won't fuck things up. So when they get into crunch time, Swift keeps fumbling, man. Gainwell could carve out a bigger role. And that's nothing to say about me wanting Kenneth Gainwell. That's more of an indictment on the possibility of where DeAndre Swift's value could go from here. Bills, Bengals, Joe Burrow, so fucking back. Joe Burrow, so back. Good to see a big T. Higgins game. Eight for one ten. Nine targets. Jamar Chase kind of had a uh, Jamar Chase kind of had a a, uh, a down game there, but still had eight targets. He'll be fine, of course. <clears throat> on the flip side, Josh Allen. Uh, this Bills team is just kind of struggling, man, to compete with like the really good teams in the AFC, and it's 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 a little. I'm not gonna say it's puzzling, I guess, when they when they lose like three or four of their best players on defense. This is gonna happen, of course, you know. Um, but it has clearly affected them to a very high degree, and like you're starting fantasy players against the Bills defense all the time. Uh, Diggs eight six for eighty six and a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid continues his breakout campaign right now with Dawson Knox out. God, I hope Knox is out for like a long period of time. This is again like he is he is going to be the Justin Watson of 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 tight ends now, where it's like Knox is not good. He's not anywhere near as good as Dalton Kincaid. But as soon as he steps foot back on the field, it it like ruins the momentum that Kincaid had. But for now, you keep starting Diggs, obviously. You keep starting Dalton Kincaid. Clear Shakur had back-to-back -back pretty good games. He was coming off of a big one uh, last week. Let's see what his snap utilization was in this one, following it back up. Gabe Davis still full-time. Diggs obviously full-time. Yep, Clear Shakur again, 75% of the routes. Uh, a little bit less targeted, but still very, very clearly like involved in the passing game. They're going three wide receivers very often with only uh, Dalton Kincaid at tight end. So... That means that Shakir should probably continue to play a really high number of uh, snaps and continue to get looks. Play against the Broncos next week. We've actually, this is a pretty tough uh, stretch of defense this year. Broncos and Jets are both very, very good against the pass, obviously. So I'm not really trusting Shakir as anything more than like, you know, a flex play, if that. Um, but good to see him just like continuing to run routes and not dipping off. James Cook, really disappointing day there. I think you still kind of just start him unless you have better options. 
That's that's yeah. Thank you. Right. Very very useful. It's how fantasy football works. You start a guy unless you have a better option. Uh, what else do we got here? Are there any injuries that I missed? Are there any other bigger injuries that I kind of missed? I don't think so. All right. What else do we got here, people? That's the recap. That's the game by game recap. We done did it. 55 minutes. That's a world record. Hmm. How's the chat doing? Have I been on mute this whole time? That's crazy. No one told me. Hmm. Now here's a guy. Now here's a guy. Slips, please. All right, let's do some underdog slips. Fuck it. Let's do some slipperonies for tonight's game. We too zoomed in here. Zoom out. Zoom out. Okay. For tonight's game, um, one thing that pops off the screen to me is Eckler's receiving yards. Because we have to remember two things. We have to remember Mike Williams is out, and we have to remember Josh Palmer is also out. So when those guys are out, Eckler seems to get an insane amount of targets and receiving game work. Um, so I'm going to go 33.5 receiving yards higher for Austin Eckler. That is like one of the big storylines, right? We have the Jets, really good passing defense, but they can be had by running backs through the air, okay? That can happen. If you look at this list, um, you guys can't see because I'm cutting it off like a piece of sheesh. They are currently allowing the fourth most receptions to the running back position. They are currently allowing the sixth most receiving yards to the running back position. This all kind of just lines up for that to be an easy over on Austin Eckler with the um, with his teammates out for this game. So first slip for sure is Eckler over 33 and a half receiving yards. Again, if you're new to underdog, if you have never created a slip, you have never done a best ball draft, what you got to do is head over to the site, underdogfantasy.com. Just use the link down below in the description. It'll take you right to the app store to download it. Deposit with code BDGE. If you deposit with code BDGE, they're going to hit you with a 100% deposit match. Whatever you deposit, you will have double that on your account to play with. Hmm. Okay, so the obvious next choice would say, "Hey, Keenan Allen, of course he's gonna, of course he's gonna eat with those guys out." And I think that's probably the case, but I think it'll be a, a little bit. I'd imagine their entire defense is gonna be zoned in on Keenan Allen. Quinn Johnson, how we doing, buddy? What's he been up to? Coming off of his strongest game, five for fifty. I want to take something here with Johnson. He's gonna be a full time player. They did activate Jalen Guyton. You know, I don't think there's gonna be a Jalen Guyton line, though. I kind of wish there was. Um, I, I like the Quinton Johnston line here i'm not sure exactly what i like I, I think i like both of them to be honest but i probably feel best with the receptions because johnson's a big yak guy which makes me think they're probably going to try some around the line of scrimmage stuff uh let him get involved in screens let his confidence kind of get up a little bit in the beginning of the game and obviously screens are easy catches to hit here so i like taking the receiving lines or the reception line i should say just for the fact that when it's not at the hook, like when it's a flat line, you could still hit three and it'll push um, and you won't lose that slip. So we'll go there. We got to hit a a Jets. What do we like for the Jets? God, I don't like anything for the Jets. What's Zach Wilson been doing on the ground? Like 13 and a half rushing yards seems super valid. What's he done? 25 yards last week, 15 the week before that, 26 the week before that. He's been he's been nailing that number. That feel that feels low. That feels a little low. He's an athlete. And he'll probably be under pressure with Cleo Mack and Bosa and, and whatnot tonight. So I could I could see that number for sure being up there. 
Brees Hall. Brees Hall's so exciting. It just he, he's like one of those dudes you see on a slip and you just want to take the more on every one of these. But I think we're probably going to hold steady here. I think we're going to hold steady at Eckler, higher than 33.5 receiving yards. Quentin Johnson, higher than three receptions. And Zach Wilson, higher than 13.5 rushing yards. Yep. We're going to chill right there. We'll throw a 50 spot on it. You're going to 6X. You're going to 6X your money. Share my picks in the Discord right quick. Discord, free to join. Always. All right. That's the game-by-game recap for this week. I'm going to upload this to the podcast feed as well. If you are just kind of tuning in now, want to watch it from the beginning or listen to it from the beginning, but you're an audio person because that's what I do. I don't watch YouTube videos. I listen to podcasts all the time. So it's insane to me that you guys watch this shit. But I'm glad you do. Right? Because I'd be out of fucking business. Uh, All right. Well, thank you again. We'll be back every Monday doing this. We'll also be back tomorrow for our waiver wire video. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Turn notifications on. Now you can untuck your shirts. And proceed with your day. Love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.